Caleb. God broke the mold. Hey, one of you, I came in and I pushed Cade. I thought that was funny. And then somebody came back throwing elbows. You watch yourself, bro. I mean, I'm down for jumping for Jesus, but if you're throwing elbows, I'm going to throw elbows back. All right, we're going to jump into it. We got a lot to cover. We got a good message tonight, and uh, I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you that we can jump around. Um, holy cow, I do pray for the soul that elbowed me. Make their toenail fall off or something. Um, let this be words not from me, but God from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Amen. Remember when we used to do that in middle school? Amen. That was cool. We should do that again. All right. I'm out of breath now. That's how out of shape I am, which is one of my goals. Tonight, we're going to talk about Nehemiah. Raise your hand if you've heard of Nehemiah. It's okay if you haven't, just wondering. All right, Nehemiah is, Nehemiah is a character, a character in the Bible who actually walked on earth. And in the Bible, think of the Bible sometimes, we can think of the Bible as a historical textbook. So the Bible shows the history of what Nehemiah did. And so for those of you who are like, man, I really want to learn more about the Bible tonight. It's a great night to do that. But also we're going to talk about how we can make this next year the best year of our lives. The reality is this. This last year was tough. I mean, oh my gosh. I felt like every week something was changing. Every week we were all sitting on the edge of our seats wondering, like, can I go to Chili's? You don't go to Chili's, do you? Where do you go? Sorry. Can I go to Chuck E. Cheese? Right? I'm pretty sure only Caleb Wilson goes to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm with you, brother. Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese. Awesome, dude. Let's go get some. Their pizza's good there. And you, if you go to Chuck E. Cheese now, you kill it on the games. You get so many tickets. It's so dope. You just got to convince the little kids like you're not a creeper. I swear, little kid, I'm not a creeper. I just want my tickets. I tried to do this when I was eight, and now I can actually do it, and I can get my stupid little toy. So every week we're sitting there thinking, can I go to Chuck E. Cheese or not? Can I, can I see my friends or not? My friend has a fever. Am I allowed to see that person? My boyfriend, you know, my boyfriend has some symptoms. Should I see them or not? And every week, something different. And for those of us who like schedules, like my friend Miss Piper over here, who love schedules, who are like, if I don't have a schedule, I'm going to freak out. For those of us who like schedules, this last year was really hard. I mean, it was just like beat you up. And I didn't realize, I actually was talking to my counselor. I did not realize how hard last year hit me and took me out physically and mentally until I talked to somebody who noticed it in me and said, look, you're exhausted. And I was like, but I haven't been doing anything. I sit at home and I've seen The Office now 47 times because I just watch Netflix and I can't leave. No, no, no. You're exhausted because there's no regular pace in your life. Because you're not able to socially interact with your community. One thing I know about the Bible, there's, there's a couple things that I understand. I mean, it's kind of confusing. But one thing I know is we are meant to be in community. And the second that that's broken off, it tears you apart without you even knowing. It's like a slow death, a thousand cuts. And so when we had times where we had to break this and we weren't allowed to hang out together and we weren't allowed to jump around and, you know, try to punch party Pete in the middle. Sorry, Pete, that was going for you. You don't realize how much community means to you until it's taken away. You don't realize maybe how much the church means to you, maybe even how much school means to you until it's gone. And then you start to think, oh my gosh, I actually liked sitting at a table around a whole bunch of screaming people in the lunchroom. So this next year, I don't know what's going to happen. For all I know, you know, we're still doing this COVID thing in six months from now. I have no idea. But what I do know is we're going to make the best of it. 
and we have a God who's in control that knows what's going on and has the answers, and we're going to lean on that God and say, you got to help me through this, man, because I'm not going to make it. All right, so 2021. As we're entering 2021, I'm to tell you a really quick story about a New Year's mm, event I went to. It was a party. It was an event that I went to in, in college. Shut up, Caleb. You know, the worst part of this is, is now we record stuff and we're putting it on YouTube. So now you could say, you could say to your mom, Jeremy talked about a college party. And I used to be able to say, I didn't do that. Your kid's making stuff up. Now it's like there's a little red light over there that's scaring the heck out of me. So I don't know. It might, I won't tell you all the details. When I was um, furthering my education and getting a really smart brain and getting good grades, and trying to pursue a career, I was in this thing they called college. And in college, you make a lot of friends. And when friends get together in a house, they tend to call it a party. So I was at this one party, New Year's Eve, in college. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> I saw a friend there from middle school. So I went to a Christian middle school. His name was Connor Vogel. Weird, if he watches this. Hey, dude. Um, his name was Connor Vogel, right? And I'm in Boulder, and, I, and I'm hanging out with some friends there, and honest to the Lord Almighty, I was not drinking, even though there was a bunch of people who were. And um, I'm sitting at this table, just talking to some friends, literally just hanging out, talking to some friends, and there's some people doing stupid party college things. And, and all of a sudden, this guy walks in this room. Hey, man, you're Jeremy. And I'm like, oh, Hi. Super awkward, had no idea who it was. Dude, it's Connor, bro. We hung out in middle school. Yeah, we were in a Bible study together. How you doing now, brother? He's holding a glass container with something in it. Dude, here you go, man. Finish that off. Thanks. Uh, it's very nice of you, Connor, who told me that Jesus was the only way. Yeah, dude. You want to play Pong? Um, no. Okay, man. I'll see you later. I texted his sister. Okay, his sister was older. And I just happened to know, you know, we were, like, she was a couple years older than us. I texted and said, uh, so your brother's here at this thing in Boulder. He doesn't look like he's doing so good. Do you want to, um, like, come help us out? And she replied back, like she couldn't type for some reason. So I sit there with my little glass bottle and my friend Ed while we think about that girl used to lead worship in our middle school. That dude used to read the chapter, the, the book of John during our Bible study, and now they can't see straight. Sweet. Good to see you, dude. It's been really fun. I mean, I had many New Year's Eves where I did make my own stupid decisions, but I, for some reason, for some reason, I remember that one over most of the other ones. 
I mean, we could put two and two together as to why I might have. I, like, could see straight and text correctly. But I actually think that was one of my most fun experiences I had in college, being the sober guy at a party where everybody was uh, drinking too much milk. All jokes aside, I say that because if I could go back, if I could go back, if, I, if the DeLorean showed up, you guys have ever seen Back to the Future? DeLorean showed up and Doc opened the door and said, come on, Jeremy, let's get in. And I flew back to me in high school. The one thing I wish I could say, I would shake myself and say, make better decisions, you'll have fewer regrets. Because I could list off a whole bunch of regrets I have. A whole bunch of things I wish I didn't do. A whole bunch of things that I'm paying for still to this day. A whole bunch of things that I hurt people and I hurt myself and I hurt relationships. I hurt the friends and family around me that care about me because I decided to do something stupid or make dumb decisions. And so as we're diving into 2021, erase the dumb decisions we made in 2020. Do you know alcoholism shot up? Divorces shot up? People on antidepressants shot up because this last year was so stressful? Let's start new now. Let's say, forget 2020, we're done with you. I'm starting over. Today, you are under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. You are under no obligation to be the same person you were in 2020. We made stupid decisions. We, we relieved stress in dumb ways. Let's start fresh now. This is the perfect time to find that excuse to say, not that, well, I shouldn't do that, it's bad. Instead, your response is, that's not who I am. I'm not the guy with the bottle. I don't want to be that person, and I'm not that person anymore. This is the time to do it. Because now you can say, new year, new me. And when, not if, when someone judges you, and when someone says, I met Connor later in the night and he made fun of me a lot and said some words that I probably wouldn't say. I was going to say in church, but I probably wouldn't say it all. Because I was the sober guy. And you get made fun of. When that happens, you can say, that's not who I am. God has a bigger plan for me. I have a bigger plan than that. Than ending up passed out on the couch not remembering what I did. Because you're writing your story every day of your life. Do you want to remember it? Do you want to have a story that you're excited about to tell? Or do you want to have a story that says, yeah, man, one time I was at this party, and uh, I don't remember. <laughs> no one's proud of that moment. No one is excited that they made those decisions. I'll tell you two things you never regret doing, and they're so hard to do. Spending time with Jesus and working out. Usually they go hand in hand for me. That's why I'm a little fat right now. It's because I didn't spend as much time with Jesus as I should or work out. But you never, there's a lot of things you will regret in this next year. There's a lot of things you probably regret from last year. But you will never regret spending time with Jesus and doing something physically healthy for you. You'll never regret going to church. There might be nights where you're like, yeah, I got a lot going on and I'm stressed out. But if you engage and you walk through the door not saying, I better get something out of this, or this better be fun, or I'm going to regret being here. No, that's a dumb way to enter church. Don't do that. Walk into the church doors and say, God, I am here. What do you have for me? 
You will never regret it. As we enter into 2021, I just want to ask, what decisions, what goals, what things do you care about that you want to do? And if you had to write down, if you took a piece of paper, flipped it over, I'm not even on my sermon, by the way, this is just ranting. If you had to take a piece of paper and write down, this is who I am, or this is who I want to be, I guarantee most of you would not say you want to be the Connor of the world. Most of you are going to say you have much higher standards and goals and opportunities in your life because God calls you to something so much bigger. If you take the time to write down, this is who I want to be, this is who God sees me as. I'm not a jealous person who just makes fun of everyone around me because I'm insecure. Instead, I'm an encouraging person who encourages all my friends and family around me. Who do you want to be? Now's the time to do it. Stop talking about it. Stop dreaming it and do it. If I could go back, I would say make better decisions and have fewer regrets. Define who you want to be known as in this world and chase after that goal. Stop making excuses like I did for so many years. Because then you look back and say, I can't believe I did that. That was stupid. That was fun for about 20 minutes. And then I had to pay for it the rest of my life. All right, let's dive in. <laughs> um, something I do every, every year. Um, I spend some time just thinking about goals. Did anyone ever think of that for their year? No, good. All right, we're going to this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. I personally think of three different goals. Something uh, personal, something spiritual, and something professional. And I'd love for you, when you get a chance to, in your small groups, you maybe get to do this. Something personal, something spiritual, and something professional. I'll give you mine, and then uh, you'll probably spark and think of ones that could be good for you. But it's helpful to have goals and actually write them down. You are 40% more likely to establish and uh, complete your goals if you write them down. Crazy stats. Uh, for me, personal is health. Um, I want to I bike. Uh, there's, like, these races that I want to do. There's a race in the summer that I'd like to do, but holy cow, I would not make it right now. So personal is, is health things. Spiritual, um, I want to read the Bible in a year. My grandma, what a, grandmas are awesome. <laughs> Good, dude. dude stop. <laughs> My grandma sent me a year, a year book, Bible in a year book, and uh, she emails me every Friday now and tells me, oh, this is what I learned this week. And I'm like, grandma, you're 104. You already know this stuff, but that's awesome. Um, and professional, so professional for you guys could be really school-related, right? Or, or maybe it is you're thinking about your future 10 years from now. What do you want to be doing? That's a great question to ask yourself. Um, mine is I have some financial goals I'd like to meet and, and some goals here at church that I'd like to do. So I do have goals, and I think those three are great categories to start with. But here's what happens. Here's what happens to all of us. We get distracted. If you ever spend time to sit down and think about what you want to do or what you want to accomplish, you know, maybe uh, um, my friend Nate is here somewhere, and he's, like, going to be an actor. And, and the coolest thing about Nate, he graduated a little while ago. The coolest thing about Nate is he's chasing after his goal. He told me, holy cow, I've known Nate for a while, I guess. He told me years ago that he wanted to be an actor. Um, and now he's, oh, yeah, he's over there. Hi. And now he's in New York pursuing that dream. But he had to pick up his whole life, and he sleeps on the couch right, in New York to pursue his goal and dream. That is focus. That is laser focus. And what happens to a lot of us, me too, is we think of something we want to be. You know, I want to be, I want to be all-star soccer player, or I want to be, have all A's this semester, or 
I want to be, I want to join a club at school. And then what happens is we get distracted. Something else comes up and we make excuses. Reality is the things I get distracted by are never as important as the things I get distracted from. We'll put that on the screen. The things I get distracted by are never as important as the things I get distracted from. The obvious answer is, when I'm trying to do homework, that's an important thing, why does Netflix sound appealing, right? But what happens is, it happens in a bigger scale. This happens all the time, all day, every day. Maybe you are doing X homework. Maybe you're doing, you know, English, okay? And now you think, I can just do math for now because math is easier. Well, the reality is you should probably be doing English because it's going to take more time. But the things I get distracted by are never as important as the things I get distracted from. That's something that some of you might need to just write down and remember. For me, at least, uh, when I go to church, like, I take notes on my phone because I'm not very good at remembering. So if you want to take notes, that's totally fine. Um, the not-so-obvious, okay? The obvious are like Netflix, obviously not as important as homework. The not-so-obvious. Maybe, maybe a relationship is distracting you from what God has asked you to do. Maybe a friendship is pulling away from the people you're supposed to hang out with. There might be things that aren't so obvious. Maybe a sport or, or your hobby or, or, or dance or soccer or music. Those are not bad things, but maybe... Are they distracting you from what God is asking you to do? I'll give you another example. Two years ago, there was this girl named, I'll change her name. Um, pick a girl named Allison. Okay, Allison. There was a girl named Allison who came to Garage. And I'd known her for years, and, and she stopped coming. And I ended up seeing her one day, and I was like, so Allison, why don't I see you anymore? And she said, oh, um, softball, it just got so intense, and I had practice every night. And, you know, it's, I mean, I like it, but it, it pulls my tension and pulls my time. I said, you know, if God's calling you to that and, and that's what's fulfilling your life and you're still pursuing a relationship with Jesus, that's what matters. And she said, well, I'm not. In fact, I'm going the exact opposite way. And I said, look, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I will tell you from my own personal experience, when I don't pursue Jesus, I tend to do stupid things. I tend to make dumber decisions and I tend to be less happy. That's all. She finished the season she quit softball so that she could be here every week. After three months of being here, I asked her, are you glad you did that? I mean, that was like your thing. You, you did it every day of your life. And she said, I'm so much happier because I have friends that I care about. I have a community I believe in, and I'm pursuing the God of the universe instead of pursuing a sport. Sports are not bad, but is it distracting you from what's most important? Um, I like to make this list. It's called the... No for now, but not forever. No for now, but not forever. Um, I'll give you an example. For me, I've always wanted to uh, ride dirt bikes. You know, brat, brat, brat. I don't know if you guys do that. Oh, he does that. Cool. Let's go ride if I had one. Um, I've done it a couple times. Really fun. But the reality is, it's probably not a good idea right now. I have a little two-year-old at home. Um, I probably shouldn't buy all the dirt bike things. And so it's kind of on my no for now, but not forever list. Maybe you need to make a no for now, but not forever list. Right? Maybe, since we're getting into the relationship series, maybe there is a guy that you like or a girl that you like and they like you back. And it could be a really good relationship, but you know it's going to distract you from, from school or, or from your hobbies or from your sports or from Jesus. 
And maybe that thing needs to be on your no for now, but not forever. Maybe you need to tell them that. Maybe you need to say, look, yeah, I like you and you like me. It's always funny. Guys in high school, they're the worst at this. I'm sorry, I was too. I like you and you like me. (laughs) But just now is not the right time. Nehemiah. All right, Nehemiah. Okay, so here's what you need to know about the Old Testament. We're going to go through church history super fast, or, or um, sorry, Bible history. In the Old Testament, this is why you got to read your Bible. In the Old Testament, the entirety of the Old Testament is a big war. Actually, multiple wars. But constantly there are battles and wars going on all the time. What would happen is um, we have a God, right? Our God is the one true God. In the Old Testament, they called him Yahweh. That means God. <coughs> and our God, Yahweh, would go fight all the other gods every spring. So super weird. It's like a TV show. It's like a new season came out every spring. And the other fake gods, like the god of the sun and the people who follow the god of the sun, they would all come out and we'd all meet in the grass and we'd all fight. Right? This was the entirety of the Old Testament. Every spring they got in fights. Now, when it wasn't spring, what happens is you send in your spies. And actually one spy was named Caleb. That's probably why your name's Caleb. He'd be a terrible spy because he's loud, but he's fast, so I'd, pro- I'd probably use you. You're fast. So, so when it's not spring, what would happen is you'd take your spies like Caleb, and you'd go into the other towns and steal their crap. You'd steal their women and their children and their stuff, okay? This was happening all the time throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. That's why when you read the Old Testament, it's like 6,000 people died. That's because they're all fighting. And our God is the God who says, I will fight for you. That's the only God who does. Anyway, here's what's happening in the book of Nehemiah. There's a town named Jerusalem in Judea. This town is where you find the people who follow Yahweh. So if you're a Christian or you follow God, you live there. That's how it worked. It's like we're in Colorado, we're Coloradans, that's who we are. You're in Jerusalem, you follow God. Now, in this wonderful town of Jerusalem... They got in a battle at some point, and the wall that surrounded the city was burnt and crumbled and gone. So, all year long, the other places, the other nations around them would run in, steal their women, children, and gold, and run out. And constantly, they were getting attacked. They were a poor people. Because our God was like, you're relying on gold, and that doesn't work, you have to rely on me. And they would fight this all the time. Once they relied on God, they finally were not a poor people anymore, but we kind of are not good at relying on God. We're kind of bad at that. So anyway, they were getting attacked all the time. There was this guy named Nehemiah who saw this happening, and he had a vision, and he was like, man, if only I could build a wall around Jerusalem to protect the people. These are my people. Now, Nehemiah was not living in Jerusalem. He was actually working at the king's castle. So funny, he was the cupbearer. His one job is make sure the king's cup is full of wine. That's all he did all day long. He's like my friend Connor. Hey, you want some wine? I mean, glass bottle. Jerusalem had no wall, and Nehemiah thought, I should build that wall to protect my people. That is no easy task. Back then, it would take 10 or 12 years. Here's what happened. Here's why the story is so crazy. He ends up leaving the king. He says, king, please help. I got to go help my people. I'll be back soon. He goes to Jerusalem. 
he grabs everybody around him and he says, let's start building this thing so we can protect our people. This is, we don't know the exact record, but most likely this is the 10th or 20th time somebody has tried to build this wall. Every time somebody tries to build it, the bad guys come in and tear it down. So this is what's happening. Nehemiah gets all his buddies. They start building a wall to try to protect it. We don't want our women and children to be stolen anymore. We like to keep them. Yes, we like them. They start building this wall, and people come in, and they start throwing spears. Okay, and Nehemiah is like, well, that's not cool. Let's have guards. So then they have guards. Now, Nehemiah does this thing. He is laser-focused. He says, I know what God has called me to. I'm going to write my own story, and no one will distract me. Because what happens is the nations, the bad guys, the other nations, they come knocking on the door and say, oh, uh, hey, Nehemiah, we'd love to have you over for lunch. Could you come over? No, I, I can't come over. I'm busy. And then they come knock on the door again. Nehemiah, you know, we, we would just love to give you a gift. If you came over, we'd give you a gift. No, I'm not going to come over. I'm busy. They find out from their spy, kind of like Caleb, they find out from their spy that the whole point was they were going to bring him out and kill him. Instead, Nehemiah sticks to his plan. Look, he has other kings coming and saying, if you come with me, I'll give you a ton of money, let's go. He has the biggest distractions in the world. They used to have these things called concubines. You know what that is? Like a prostitute. <laughs> and there was one king who said, I will give you 200 concubines if you come with me. No, I'm busy. Talk about a distraction. One other king says, I will, I will make you so rich that for the next generations, you'll be the richest man in our land. No, I'm too busy. What I love about the story of Nehemiah is that he understood his goal. He understood his call. He understood who he was, and he was not going to be distracted. And it says in Nehemiah 6, he said this every time, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. You can tempt me with everything in the world, but I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Can you imagine if while you're entering into this new season of life, this new year, this new person you get to be, the next time a temptation comes, the next time a distraction comes, if you stood there and said, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down, we get distracted too easily. We let goodness get in the way of greatness. It is good to be on a basketball team. Ask Zach Moon, he likes to, you know, coach those guys. That's a good thing. But what is great? Is good good enough for you? Is not good enough for me. I want to live in the greatness of what God has for me. And the only way you'll ever get there is by defining who you are. Who do you want to be? Who does God want you to be? And are you willing to say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down? Are you going to say that the next time someone hands you a little glass bottle? Because your reputation, God looks at it. 
here's where you're at. I'll have the worship team head up. Here's where we're all at, really. We are in a season. Most likely, you might be like me where you're like, I don't know what God wants of me. I don't know God's plan. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just kind of here. You're wrong. Because what you are doing is a great work. You are writing the story of your life. Is it a story you want to tell or is it a story you're embarrassed of? Is it a story that when you get up there, you'll be able to proudly say, God, I tried my hardest and I brought glory to your name? Or are you going to hide in a corner with shame? Let this year be the year. Forget about what's done in the past. God already forgave it. You have been forgiven. It has been let go. It doesn't matter how far you've gone with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It doesn't matter what you drank last week. Forget it. God already has. But start now and say, I am doing a great work. I'm writing the story of Christ in my life, and I cannot come down. will be distractions. There will be people pulling you apart. There will be criticism. Criticism is probably the biggest distraction. Nehemiah had all the critics. His own people said, oh, you're just building this wall so you can be king and control us. When really he was building a wall to protect people. When really what he was doing was actually good. Everybody else was just insecure enough. Right? If you've ever been to one of these parties where I hate this, where someone's like, oh, you're the loser who doesn't drink. Or maybe I have a better plan than dummies. I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. Because when you live in God's path, you will never regret it. What's your wall that you have for this next year? What's the thing that you think you gotta do? What's the most important thing? Not, not, not a good thing, a great thing. Maybe it is doing well in school. Maybe it is being friends to somebody who's kind of hard to be friends with, <clears throat> Caleb. Maybe it is, maybe it is you feel like you gotta go to church more to support your friends and community and learn more about God. What's your wall? What's the thing that you know you should be doing, but you don't? And what are your distractions? What's the other nations pulling you away, trying to get your attention? They're not necessarily bad things. They might be good things, but it's not great. What do you need to say, or who do you need to say to, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I was in high school. I had two groups of friends. You guys kind of know what that's like. I kind of did have my church friends, and then I kind of had my <laughs> not church friends. And about my junior, senior year, I had to kind of ghost my not church friends because I realized maybe I can be a light to their world. But if I'm honest with myself, they're dragging me down a path that I don't want to go down and a path that will make me live in regret. 
I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. Write the story of your life that God wants for you. Let me pray and we'll jump into worship.